never know where life is going to take you. Some people know exactly where they want to be and go for it full throttle. Others just stumble upon it organically, and then there are those who just follow their intuition. This is a podcast about reaching your personal best through resilience, motivation, and passion. This is Mark My Words. Hello there, and welcome to a brand new episode of Mark My Words. Today, I'm going to be talking about decluttering, and I don't mean just your house or your closet. I'm talking about decluttering your life in general, and I'm going to just go ahead and talk a little bit about my guest, who is a lifestyle design coach who teaches high achievers how to leverage their individuality to live the life they truly desire. She has used decluttering to downsize from a luxury department, not department, apartment, to owning her own home. And it's a 12-foot Springer van, officially known as Big Pun, which I love. And uh, a little bit of an old-school reference there. And I have a comment about Big Pun when we get to it here. She quit her nine to five and hosted luxury conferences, has lost 45 pounds, which I'm not really in favor of talking about a woman and her weight or whatever, (laughs) but losing 45 pounds. If I could do that, I would be right where I want to be. So I think I have just the right guests for this show today. And not only is she going to hopefully help me within this conversation, she's helping people out there build a life overflowing with what they love. Let's give a welcome to Jessica Malone of Nacho Average Fro, which I love, absolutely love the name of your company. Jessica, you're on Mark My Words. How you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Really excited for us to chat and just have an open conversation about everything. I'm sure there are not a lot of people who come on who say I lived in a van. So I'm really excited for us to talk about that and all the elements of decluttering and how it is completely life changing. Well, it sounds like uh, I know we talked a little bit before uh, we started here that you've actually changed gears a little bit, but it sounds like when you were living out of big pun that you were living in style. Is that correct? Or at least (laughs) as much style as you can. Yeah, absolutely. We had our van built out essentially like a tiny home. So it had a kitchen, we had a bedroom slash living room. Um, It had a motorized sink. So it it operated just like the sink at your house. Uh, The only things we were missing, I would say, was laundry, no laundry facilities in the van, uh, no shower. And then we had a portable toilet, but I never got comfortable in all the months we were on the road. I never got comfortable with the idea of even using it. So I just 
went to gas stations, grocery stores, whatever we needed to do. But it was, it was, it was a good experience. I mean, it was definitely not your, you know, 1970s Volkswagen. We just threw a bunch of um, sleeping bags in the van. It, it was, it was top notch. <laughs> and I guess if you're stopping at places like Pilot or what's the other big one loves flying J. Yeah, yeah yes you're mm-hmm. showering in style anyway i'm sure you pick up all those places yeah we did do that a few times and we got strategic so when we bought our van it was november 2019 i left my job in january 2020 and hit the road in march so we i'm sorry in in the summer so in may june time so the pandemic you know, hit its rise in March. And here we are. I've already left my job. My fiance's already left his job. So we're like, okay, well, (laughs) you know, we're going to have to continue with this plan. And then uh, gyms around the country started shutting down. That was our plan to go to the gym and work out and then have a place to shower, use the restroom, that kind of thing. The gym started shutting down. So we had to restructure our entire plan and we ended up building our trip around friends and family, which I think really enriched the journey as a whole and also made it easier because, you know, we would call our friends, Hey, we're coming to the city. Can we park outside your house? And they're like, yeah, you can use a shower, use the Wi-Fi." Um, so that made that transition just so much simpler. So what was it like building up to do what you did and then the pandemic hits. I mean, you already talked a lot about how it helped you to stay connected to family and friends, but what was it like committing to that when everything was locked down? It was tough. Um, part of me wished that I hadn't left my job because part of the reason I left was the idea of having to go into an office every day, you know? So I felt like man, I could have been pulling down consistent income and been in my van, you know, and I would have been able to continue doing the things that I wanted to do and building the business. So um, there was a little bit of like, man, I just kind of wish I had stayed um, for that reason. But also because so many things were impacted by the virus, it just threw the whole plan out of whack. You know, it feels like, oh, we had this big dream and oh, it's all coming together. And then the virus happens. It's like, well, none of what you had planned is, is going to happen. Even, you know, attractions that we wanted to visit, they're, they're closed. Um, but from the, the positive side of things, again, it helped with making those connections with friends and family. But from a business perspective, it forced me to completely change the way I do business. And I think that that benefited me and will continue to benefit me for the long haul because instead of going into people's houses physically and helping them declutter, I created an online course. And so now I really have the ability to work from anywhere, whether, you know, we're taking a a break from the the van now, but even now it's like, I don't have to worry about where I am because people can connect with me just through a Zoom call. You know, we can connect online. And when we do get back in the van or whatever that next thing is, my business is really already set up to support that lifestyle. So I think that's the thing that I enjoy about the 20, the year of 2020 is that it forced me to make a change that is probably going to benefit me for forever. Wow. And you said some things there that, I have thought about myself, I just revealed before we went on that I now am working from home and it's obviously a dream job for me. And I'm also doing this podcast, trying to build that up. And I think as this continues to build, if I really start to cash in on it, quote unquote, I can't see myself 
letting go of the day job. Like it's such an ideal situation. You, when you said that, oh, I wish I would have, you know, stayed at the job. How were you supposed to know? But right. yeah, you never know what life's going to bring you. So, I mean, I could totally relate to that and have thought about that. I'm like, oh man, I'm really in a good spot now. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I often think that if I hadn't left when I did, I, I don't know if I would have. And I think that would have had, you know, good and bad consequences. Uh, it may have impacted my entrepreneurial journey in a different way. But again, there's the consistency of having a job that you don't always get in entrepreneurship. So I, I do think that if I left, I would have it would have been a while. I think I would have stayed probably several more years before making that jump. Yeah, I don't blame you. So let's jump, speaking of jumping, gonna segue, before we really dig into your life and your journey, one quick question. I gotta guess that naming your van Big Pun is a tribute to the actual Big Pun, correct? Actually, it's not. It's so not. it turned out to be, um, you know, catchy. So we we kept it for that reason. But and my fiance, he's a musical artist. He he raps, and so for him, it's kind of like nostalgic, right? But actually, um, we were sitting at a, a coffee shop, and my fiance said to me, "It's not the the vehicle of our dreams. It's the vehicle for our dreams." And I said, "It's like a pun. It's like." big pun and so we we just decided we have been going through all these names like vanna white and you know all these play on words van halen and whatever um and then he said that and it just felt it just felt good it felt very unique and it characterized our journey and again with his background in music you know it just it all complemented what we were trying to do so did he come up with nacho average bro he did actually wow yeah, yeah. He, I've had a blog before, Not Average Pro. It was called Text Mix with Jess. He came up with that too. So I always joke. He comes up with the names, and I just like create the logo or whatever imagery we're gonna put forward. <laughs> I may have to have him on Mark My Words. He sounds. You should. Pretty, he sounds pretty <laughs> smart to me. <laughs> yeah, I think he would enjoy it. And I did hear all about your uh, affinity for Taco Tuesday. It is Tuesday. <laughs> Did you get to enjoy Taco Tuesday? I haven't had tacos, but I did make a taco bowl today. I forgot actually that it was Tuesday, but I think it's pretty perfect that I had a taco bowl today. <laughs> what about you? Uh, I wound up having a HelloFresh meal from last night. So okay. right now my wife is on the road for a few weeks and I got left making all the HelloFresh meals. So <laughs> I made it last night knowing I was doing this tonight. So yeah. half last night, half tonight. Unfortunately, not a Mexican dish. I think the flautas, we had those on Friday. So mm. I'm a little bit ahead or behind on Taco Tuesday. I there guess. you go. We'll call it ahead. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we'll just go with that. So <laughs> speaking of going with it, let's talk a little bit about you so as some people know and hopefully many who listen to this show know I like the research on LinkedIn and kind of get an idea because I want to put myself in your shoes and try to see life through 
your perspective and your lens. And I noticed that you majored in business. And I gotta ask, is that something that you came into college being passionate about? Or were you like, well, I don't really know what I want to do, so this will work? Because I know a lot of people who major in business just got, I I guess it's like one of those things where it's like you shrug your shoulders and say, well, I don't know. I'll just, you know, I can, I have, the world is my oyster if I major in business. So (laughs) what was going through your mind back then? Uh, Yeah, for me, so it was intentional but it wasn't the right place for me to be. Um, growing up, I watched this movie called Boomerang. It stars Eddie Murphy. All right, I've seen it. Okay. And oh, so, yes, yeah, classic. I love that movie. And in that movie, you know, him and Robin Givens, they're these ad execs and they're creating commercials and all these things. And I just was really drawn to that. And I thought that is something I want to do. I love presenting ideas. I love to talk. You know, I love it when people run with my ideas. So this just seems like the perfect career for me. And so I went into business thinking that marketing would align with that. Um, And I probably should have gone into communications and focused more on advertising, but that was my whole motive. When I got to school and actually started getting into my classes, I was pretty bored. Um, I was not, it just didn't challenge me. Um, and, and I had always performed really well in high school and stuff, took a lot of AP classes. So I was always being just challenged. And when I got to college, my freshman year, and even my into my sophomore year, I just wasn't feeling that challenge, you know? Um, and I considered switching my major to engineering for a while and even talk to, you know, teachers and deans of the college. But that to me also just seemed really boring. So I was like, you know what, like you said, the world is my oyster if I'm a business major. So I'm just going to ride this out and, and see where it goes. Um, and so I, I focused on marketing, but then I ended up studying abroad a couple of times actually, and added international business, um, picked up a little bit of Mandarin along the way. And so I, I'm, I'm happy with that decision because it, it afforded me some other opportunities that made me feel challenged and kind of opened up my, my mind and gave me some cool experiences. So where did you study abroad? When I see Korean culture, Hankook, I'm probably saying that wrong. No, you said that right. Oh, wow. How about <laughs> that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I studied in Seoul, uh, oh, South nice. Korea. So um, it was my first time ever being abroad, actually. But it was great because it's very, that the culture there is very westernized. There's an... Uh, um, army base out there and so or a military base I should say out there and so there's a lot of western and even American influences you know they had the KFCs and the McDonald's and Baskin Robbins and all of these things so even though I was far away and I didn't speak any Korean I knew no Korean whatsoever when I got there um, it was easy to kind of get assimilated and luckily Korean is not that hard of a language to learn as far as learning to read things. Um, and so I got, I never became fluent or anything of that sort, but I learned to read the characters so I could identify like my favorite foods. And if I'm out shopping, what does this mean? What am I reading? So that was my first experience going to Seoul. And that was just to uh, continue getting some additional credits for my, my business degree and focusing on my minor. Um, but then after, just after I graduated college, 
Uh, I also went to study abroad in Xi'an, China, um, and there it was an intensive Mandarin study. So I, I spent a couple of months there actually trying to become fluent in Mandarin. And I was doing pretty good. And then I came back home and forgot. It. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I took five years of German. And the only thing I remember is I like to drink cola, which is eat, drink a hang of cola. I can count. And I know swear words. That's <laughs> like I can read it and make heads or tails of it, but yeah. I can't like have a conversation. So yeah, don't, don't feel bad. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I, I still understand a bit of Mandarin, but I couldn't speak it. I cannot respond to you at all. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, our language uh, knowledge doesn't really line up expect, except for English. So. I guess we will carry on in English. And so you majored in business, you graduated, you interned, and you got into the real world. How was that for you? And how, like, when did you find the fork in the road where you said, you know, I, I want more out of life than what I'm doing? So that's a good question. Um, when I got out into the world, real world, um, I started with my company. I worked for the same company my entire career in corporate. Um, and so I started with my company, company in a college hire program. So when I first got into the workforce, it was great. It felt like another semester of college. You know, I'm hanging out with these people. I'm being paid. We're partying and stuff at night, being paid essentially to just like have a good time and learn something, of course, along the way. But um, we're just being paid to, to have a good time and fraternize. And so I loved it. Um, I really, really enjoyed that experience. Experience. But even while I was there, I knew that sales was not what I wanted to do. So I went to school. I thought I was going to be this big like ad executive, right? Majored in marketing and applied for a lot of jobs. And it, it just turned out that sales was the thing that I could always get. You know, there's always going to be sales jobs out there. And um, I, I, I knew early on before I even got placed into my very first position that that wasn't really what I wanted to do. And uh, growing up, my dad, he was a small business owner. And so I always had an interest in entrepreneurship and just the lifestyle that he was creating, managing his own time and things of that nature. So from the onset, there was a part of me that felt like I wasn't in the right place, but it was a great company. It was great pay, you know, um, and it's everything that for the most part we dream of when we think about the American dream. And so I just ran with it, you know, it's kind of felt like what kind of person am I, if I don't want this job, right. They're offering me a lot of money and benefits and all of these things. So I just ran with it. Um, and I, I had a lot of successes along the way. I performed very, very well, but it came with a lot of lows. And I would say that, probably my very first year in sales, I came to that fork in the road. I started actively talking to my friends about leaving and business ideas and what could I come up with. And back then, I think the only reason I didn't leave was because I didn't have a solid plan. You know, this brand didn't exist. I, I didn't really even know what I was interested in, my hobbies, any of that. Um, so the, the fork in the road came early, but it's, I always think it's just interesting how we have some really great experiences and that keeps us, you know, even though we have these feelings of this isn't what I want to do, there's somewhere else I should be because we're doing well, or today was a good day. We just keep pushing through, you know, and being hopeful. And I, I feel like that was my experience really through most of my, my corporate career. 
interesting that you put everything that way. Like, I had a good day, had a lot of fun, had a lot of success. Therefore, I feel compelled to stick around. I don't think you're alone in that feeling. I think Mm -hmm. there are so many people out there who not only have those feelings, but they don't even, like, listen to themselves and think a little bit deeper in the way that you did where you you felt an attachment and a sense of belonging but you also felt that need and that push to do something else as well and I think one reason why I wound up where I am which is away from my hometown and doing all these things that I'm doing with my career and kind of like making this move and that move without really having any feelings of attachment. I think it's just because I'm kind of unique and have had a unique life is because I really haven't had like a real long-term sense of belonging anywhere really. And I think that kind of separated me from, I think, some people. So while I have enjoyed, like, my previous job, it was a tough, very tough job, but I enjoyed the people and the camaraderie. But because I'm kind of, like, programmed a certain way, it's like, well, it's on to the next thing. I'm ready to roll. So I don't think you're alone in going through that. Yeah. Yeah. And I pushed those feelings down for a long time. Um, it was about, I was about four and a half years in when I found decluttering and started this, this path of kind of finding myself and what I wanted to do. Um, and the only, I think I shouldn't say the only, as if it's small, but the reason that I decided that I couldn't just push it down anymore was because everything was really coming to the surface. I started putting on a significant amount of weight. Um, I started having like anxiety attacks before work. I would wake up and be anxious and nervous and uncomfortable just thinking about the idea of doing work, going to work. Um, And I tried, I was coping with that. I was trying to cope with food, with sleeping sometimes, just, I was overindulging in everything to kind of keep those feelings at bay. And it just got to a point where I couldn't, you know, I couldn't just, I couldn't ignore it anymore. I couldn't act like it wasn't happening and I couldn't pretend to be, to be happy, you know? And that's when I really decided, okay, I want to do something different. There's just, there has to be more to life than this. So is that (laughs) the point where you kind of broke down the concept of decluttering and how you could declutter your own life? Yes. So I was, excuse me. I was reading, I started just doing a lot of reading, listening to audiobooks. I was reading books about millennials and their mindset and um, mindfulness, yoga, all this different stuff. I was trying all these different things. And Amazon just randomly recommended me a book about decluttering. It's called the 21 Day Minimalism Challenge. I knew nothing about minimalism or decluttering before this. I wasn't following blogs or YouTubers or anything. And that book completely shifted my perspective on the kind of life I was living and the amount of power I had to create change. Um, and when I took on that challenge, I was already blogging actually. Um, 
And I decided, you know what, this blog right now, is just about Tex-Mex food. And I've already put on a lot of weight. I definitely don't need to eat any more <laughs> Tex-Mex food. Um, and I really want to talk about something that matters to me. And so I started sharing my journey online. So in the beginning, it was really just, I feel like other people might resonate with this and I want to share. And then I started gaining a lot of traction on social media and people saying, wow, this is so amazing. This worked for me. You know, I feel this way too. And I created a live video series where every Monday I just showed up to talk about decluttering and how it was impacting my life, how it could help other people and, and things just took off from there. So it was, it was really um, happenstance, I think that I stumbled upon this and it just completely transformed my life. Oh, that's awesome. So how did decluttering, like what did you learn from decluttering and how do you use that to help others declutter their own lives? Yeah. So what I learned was two things. One, that our clutter our physical clutter is just a manifestation of what's happening in our hearts and in our minds. And a lot of times when we think about clutter, we think about duplicates. I have five spatulas, right? So I have clutter, but I really think of clutter as the stuff that is not serving us. So, you know, you might have five, five spatulas and yeah, we could get rid of four, but also you might be holding on to a collection of books that you only keep to impress other people. Right. And so that is clutter as well. And if, our clutter is a representation of, you know, what's just going on inside. That would mean that I feel the need for whatever reason. I feel obligated to impress other people. I feel obligated for people to see me in a certain light. And that leads me to the second thing I, I learned, which is that the way we clutter one part of our life is the way we clutter every part of our life. So if I've got books that I'm using to impress people, I've probably got a job that I'm keeping to impress people. I've got friendships, stuff, whatever the case might be, experiences, right? Um, and, and that was what blew my mind, that one, that our clutter could have that kind of representation, um, but two, just the things that I saw about myself when I, because I had that understanding, I realized, wow, I didn't realize how much of my life was predicated on what other people wanted. And that was the pattern that consistently came up inside of my stuff. So you said something about decluttering experiences. So let's say, I don't know, we'll use Disney World as an example, probably a lame example, but yeah. let's just say you had the greatest vacation ever at Disney World, and but your motivation was not so much for enjoyment, but to just go around and tell people what an amazing experience that was. And it's not really a spiritual thing. It's just mm -hmm. more of a on the surface. Um, I'm trying to find the right word. Like, yeah, uh, like for show. Yeah, for show. So that's, I, I take it as an example of how you're decluttering, not saying you did that, but sure. that, that's yeah. a really interesting take on that. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, for me, um, the experiences I had to declutter came around travel. I love traveling. You know, when I, like I said, when I studied abroad, I caught the travel bug, but at that stage in my life, I was also dealing with a lot of emotional, um, I guess, baggage from my parents' divorce that I hadn't dealt with. 
And it wasn't until years later when I started decluttering that I realized part of the reason I moved so much and traveled so much and was so focused on having these great experiences was because I was really running from dealing with those feelings. So it can be a multitude of things. Like you said, it can be, I went here just to show off. And in that case, to me, that experience is clutter. It could also be I'm using these experiences to run from something, you know, to kind of overshadow what's really happening in my life. And when you look at it that way, like for me, I still travel, right? We bought a van and did the whole van life thing, but I'm much more intentional about why I travel. You know, I think about it is, am I doing this because I'm running because I know that's a pattern I've had, or am I doing this because I really want to live in a van and see the country, you know? And um, that's where I think clutter is just, it's so amazing. It gives you something really tangible to look at and you can see, wow, this is what happens because of this belief or because of this action that I'm taking. Now in the process of decluttering spiritually and possession wise, did you feel that you needed to do this in order to just declutter any like ego or anything going along with you? Or was it just a case of like, I just need to do this to clear my mind of all the things that are keeping me from where I want to be spiritually? Yeah, I would say it's the latter. I felt like, um, I, I've got so much that I just feel weighed down and I, I wanted to feel a sense of relief and little by little, I started to get that going room by room. But what I also loved about that challenge, and I think it, it really shaped my perspective on decluttering is that it talked about decluttering your, your plate, which is what led to, you know, the weight loss. It talked about decluttering your money, your job, your, um, your time, your relationships. And so I think all of those things, because of why I was carrying them, were creating a burden. And I wanted to just feel like, okay, I can like breathe, you know, and, and really be myself. I don't think I was really being a hundred percent myself before I found decluttering. That's interesting. So who do you feel like you were, I guess, quote, unquote, being prior to decluttering? Who, when you look back, what do you see? Um, I see a girl who was really focused on not impressing her parents, but getting validation from them. Most of my journey and most of my life story pre-decluttering was dictated by someone else. Most often the, that someone else or those people being my parents, you know, they made recommendations about what my path should look like as most parents do. Right. Um, what I needed to focus on when I got into corporate things I needed to do in college. And so I just checked those boxes and I'm not quite sure how that trend got started. But I think when I look at my life, even as an adolescent, I, I just always was really focused on getting their validation, getting their approval. And I think that's who I was. I, that was my motivation for everything. Even if it meant that I had to let go of what I wanted or lose a little bit of myself. So did you feel in addition to the validation, did you feel that you had something to prove to people, whether it was your parents or maybe people you knew in your past 
Did you ever feel that way? No, I can't say that I felt like I had something to prove, but I felt like my worth resided in that validation. And I have struggled with that even as an entrepreneur, you know, my parents were not very excited about van life or that I was leaving my job. (laughs) I'm excited about it. Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) They've come around, they've come around, but yeah, when we, when I first told them the plan, they were not very excited about it. And that was hard for me because, you know, they'd always been really excited about and cheered me on for things that I had accomplished in the past. And so with my worth being so closely tied to that accomplishment and that validation, it was really tough in the beginning. And I still struggle with it today, you know, as a, it's like a little voice in my head, like, are you doing the right thing? You know, (laughs) does this make sense? And I mean, I think that's a lot of us, you know, we always have that voice in our head. that's like, okay, am I doing the right thing with this? And especially if you're, trying to build a business it's all weighing on you so mm-hmm. those are big decisions I guess every decision big or small is kind of a big decision yeah absolutely and I, I think that I've had to learn and through this this process of decluttering stuff but also mindsets you know I've had to learn how to just get comfortable in that you know it's you're doing what's best for you. So that's never going to be wrong. Yes, it's weighty, like you said, those decisions, but it's never the wrong thing to do what makes most sense for you. Um, So that's something I just, I'm having to like, just keep playing in my mind, but I had to go through the process, I think, of decluttering first to build that confidence. You know, if I hadn't let go of all the stuff that reflected that mindset, I don't think I ever would have had the courage to leave my job. And it does take a lot of courage to do what you did. And it's fantastic that it wound up working out so well to this point. I mean, we I know we talked a bit about holding on to that job and doing that at the same time. But Mm -hmm. I'm sure with you just focusing on the business, it gave you 24-7 time like all the time to really focus Mm -hmm. on that. So you just don't know, you know, life is just that way. You just don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that I'm in a place now where, like you said, if I could work from home, I wouldn't be interested in that. You know, if I could have my time for not your average pro work from home, I would be totally fine with that. And I've actually been considering it um, just to, again, have that consistency uh, of a paycheck and benefits and all of those things. Um, but I, I'm grateful that I took the leap because in entrepreneurship, what I've realized is before you leave your job, there's so many things that you're not thinking about. There's so many things that you don't care about because you have that, that paycheck, you know, you're, there's just things that, they never cross your mind. And when you leave your job, it really puts you in a position of understanding what does this business truly need? You know, so I'm, I'm glad that I had that time because I don't know if I would have seen that if I continued on that path. So what are the things that you need for those who are listening who want to take that leap into entrepreneurship? What do you think people need to do and think about in order to take that step and cut the cord from the nine to five job? 
I think that the, the biggest thing is really understanding your audience and your, your messaging. You know, when I left my job, I thought I knew because I had already created e-guides and I had this weekly series. I thought I really understood my audience, but it wasn't until I was dependent upon that revenue that I realized there's so much more I need to know about my customer avatar. Um, and a lot of times we focus on demographics, male, female, here's their age, but psychographics are really the key when you're building your business and, and trying to get that consistent revenue because it's, it, it impacts the way you even speak to your ideal client. Um, and I hadn't nailed that down. I didn't even realize the importance of that distinction before I left my job. And with that comes the, the communication piece, you know, having more conversations with your ideal client. I didn't do that enough before I left my job. I was talking really at people. And I think I misconstrued that as talking to people, right. And understanding them. And I should have had more one-on-one -on -one conversations so that in my website, copy, Instagram, copy ads, whatever, I really was getting to the heart of what they wanted. Um, I thought that I knew, but I just, I didn't, I didn't go deep enough. And I think it was because I didn't have to worry about the revenue paying the bills at the time. So when you say you didn't go deep enough, what does that mean to you? What took you to the next level? What that means for me is in the beginning, um, I would have said something like, not your average pro helps individuals or professionals. I wouldn't even have been very specific about who they were, uh, helps people to live their best life. And now I recognize that that, first of all, I, I want to speak specifically to high achievers because that's a story that, you know, I, I'm going to tell and people can resonate with that. Um, also, this person has got to be someone who's purpose driven. Um, you know, a lot of times decluttering, it just boils down to organizing. But because of the perspective I have and the impact it's had for me, I really want it to be about helping people live a life that that fulfills their purpose or um, helps them to fulfill their purpose by doing other things like getting their health under control, getting their finances under control, um, getting whatever they need to start their first business. That's really my perspective when I'm helping people with decluttering. Um, and so it's things like like that and understanding also some of their experiences. Um, all of my clients they resonate with my story in some way, shape or form, but the way that they speak about it is different than how I speak about it. And I wouldn't have known how to put that into words without having those deeper conversations with them. And I guess this is where the lifestyle design aspect of what you do comes in. Cause it's one thing to declutter spiritually and possession wise, but then there's a whole other technical aspect of it, which is lifestyle design. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like you articulated that pretty well, just in that explanation, but you look like you want to elaborate more, go for it. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. That the thing I, I didn't realize for a long time, I was lumping everything that I knew under the umbrella of decluttering. I decluttered this. I lost all the weight. 
And I realized that it was really two separate things. You know, I had to let go of what was taking up space mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially. Um, but then I had to really craft a plan. You know, it's one thing to let it go. It's another thing to put something intentional and aligned in its place. And that's where the lifestyle design piece came into play and really understanding, you know, what are my values? Where am I going? What are the things that I love? and infusing that into every, every space that I had previously decluttered. So now that you've had a year or so on your own and you apparently will no longer be, at least for now, big pun, out of commission, what's next for your business? What are you thinking about doing next, if anything? Yeah. So for me, it's going deeper into that, that life design element. When I left, I turned everything virtual, created a course. And for the last, I would say about 18 months, that has been my focus. Um, And now that I really have a foothold on my offer and how I help people, for me, the next step is going deeper into the, the life coaching element and helping people for longer periods of time to create even better results from the decluttering that they that they do with me. Now, is there like a specific group of people or a type of client that you haven't reached yet that you're hoping to reach in the future? Hmm. Man, I can't say that there's someone I haven't reached. I did do a celebrity client earlier this year for the first time, and that was pretty cool. Um, So I I can't say that that's on my list anymore, but I really want to just work with people who inspire me. I've done that in the past, and I I just want to do that more consistently than I have. You know, um, I think there's a lot of benefit to working with people who you know, just can learn something from you, but I, I want to be inspired also by the people I work with. And so I think that's important for me moving forward. Well, it's interesting that you said inspired. What inspires you? <sighs> the most inspiring thing for me is people who, I don't want to say hold tight. I feel like it has a negative kind of connotation, but that's the best thing I can come up with. People who are really holding tight to living out their dreams. That is so inspiring for me. Just believing, continuing to believe well into adulthood after all the experiences that we can have that they can still live their dreams. That is really inspiring. Now, do you feel like you are living your dream at this point, doing what you're doing now? I do. I think there's still some room to, to tweak it, but I feel like all of the, all the building blocks are there. You know, I, I love the time freedom that entrepreneurship gives me and the ability to be kind of this digital nomad. Um, but I also want to have a stationary place right now. I'm back at home, but I really do want to have a stationary place as well to call home and lots of land and all that stuff. So that's a part of my dream that that hasn't happened yet, but it's, it's on its way. So you're an entrepreneur. Is that something that when you go back to, I don't know, maybe in grade school, high school, college, did you ever think that you might be an entrepreneur or have your own business? Is that something that ever crossed your mind? 
No, not really. Um, uh, growing up, like I said, my dad owned his own business. He was in sales though. He did uh, insurance sales. And so I, I think I always knew that I would be in sales just because I thought that that was how he achieved that lifestyle. But really what I wanted was entrepreneurship. Um, I used to take all kinds of aptitude tests. They would say I was going to be a teacher and all of these things. And I was so against that, but now I'm pretty much teaching people how to declutter. So I guess they were right. I remember one career aptitude test said I was going to be a bus driver when I grew up, so, huh. <laughs> and, which is interesting now seeing where I'm at today. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's nothing wrong with being a bus driver, but sure. it's not exactly something that made me feel inspired. I'm like, yeah, really? Is that <laughs> all they think I'm going to do? Like, yeah. I guess that's pretty cool. I, I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I never, I never saw entrepreneur on the radar, but I think all the things that happened in my childhood, I see myself really being that same person again. You know, I felt like I was disconnected from that for a while. And now I feel like I'm back in my own skin and really living it out um, the way that I would like to. Yeah, I, so I dreamed about being a speaker and I dreamed about doing some of the things that I've wound up doing, but I never really viewed it as having my own business or owning mm-hmm. my own business. So that's one aspect of my adult life that I never really saw as being in the cards for me. Yeah. And certainly not doing a podcast. I mean, podcasts didn't even exist like 25 some years ago. So. <laughs> right. Who was I to even think I would be doing something like this? Yeah. But it's amazing how things can change and just how life can take us to places that we don't really expect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's, it's so, I think it's interesting how it takes us to places we don't expect, but we are who we've always been. You know, it's like, wow, I'm, I'm surprised that I'm still that same girl, but it doesn't look anything the way that I thought it would. I feel like I've lived like three or four lifetimes, yet <laughs> I still feel at my core like I'm the same person yeah. that I was 30, 35 years ago. As I use bigger numbers, I'm starting to <laughs> reveal my real age. It doesn't go too much further than that. Yeah, I'm 30, so I'm not far behind you. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm 42, so. Really? I, I, wouldn't, I never would have guessed that. Yeah, I've been told that before. I know that sounds very egotistic, but I'm not saying it from an egotistic <laughs> uh, place. I've just been told that. So yeah. I, I guess I didn't kill enough brain cells. I didn't drink enough. I don't, I don't know what I, exactly I didn't do. When I was younger, maybe I didn't stay up for three or four days in a row. I don't know. Like, (laughs) I, I guess I did something, uh, I don't know if I want to say right, but something (laughs) different. Yeah, it worked out for you. We'll say that. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, let's put it that way. So we're getting near the end of this episode. I want to give you an opportunity to tell everybody how they can work with you, how they can 
declutter and lifestyle design with you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to find me, you can find me everywhere at Nacho Average Fro at uh, nachoaveragefro.com, N-A-C-H-O, like the chip, Average Fro, on Instagram, Facebook, and then of course my website. And if you are interested in decluttering or learning more about the process of decluttering and life design, you can find information there. I have two programs, one which is focused solely on going through your stuff and identifying your clutter cycles. So the mindsets and the habits that are creating your clutter, but also creating clutter in your life. Um, and then I have a longer term program called design and aligned, which focuses on going deeper and spending an extensive amount of time together, rebuilding, not just your space, but also your time and your money, uh, to support the kind of life that you want to lead, uh, launching a passion project, following your purpose, things of that nature. So if anybody's interested, that's where you can find me. And and uh, we can talk deeper about the, about those things then. Awesome. Well, I hope people continue to seek you out because I think you have a ton of wisdom and I think you have a great head on your shoulders and I think you have so much to offer. So yeah. I wish you nothing but continued success. And I want to ask before we sign off, is there anything about decluttering that we didn't talk about that you want to talk about or leave as we uh, go? Mm, I think for your listeners, they're probably familiar about familiar with decluttering as it relates to this journey of minimalism. And I certainly live a minimalist life, but I want them to know that decluttering does not require that you become a minimalist. It really is just a tool that you leverage to let go of what's not serving you to create space for what you truly want. And what does minimalism mean to you? I, we didn't really talk about minimalism as much yeah. before we go. What exactly does that mean to you? It means living a life in alignment with what I value, what I love, and who I want to become. Wow. Well, I don't even know how to elaborate or form another question off of that. <laughs> what more can you say? I mean, I know personally, that's kind of like what I strive for as far as like having a life that lines up with my own values. And I'm not... I mean, you look behind me. I mean, I do value possessions and stuff, but I try to live without too much clutter. Like mm -hmm. you can ask my wife, I barely ever spend any money. So, I mean, I'm definitely not motivated by physical clutter yeah. for sure. So, <laughs> but Jessica Malone, I'm not your average bro. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. And I'm so happy after all these months that we finally found a good day to do this. This is like several months in the making. And yeah. I'm glad we finally had a day where nothing was coming up. So same. Yes, me too. Thank you so, so much for having me. I can't wait to just listen back and, and hear how the episode went. Yes. No, I hear you. I can't wait to listen back and Hopefully you're a guest that we'll see on Mark My Words again sometime. I would again, love that. Yeah, I would love that. Well, for now, I am Mark Schmidt. You listen to Mark My Words, and I should probably tell you where you can find me because I'm trying to 
tell people where they can find me a little bit more. So really quick, you can find me on Instagram at my regular handle, Nimrod79. I also have a page for this podcast, Mark My Word 6, and that's M-A-R-C, Mark My Word 6. I cannot get straight up Mark My Word, so had to throw that six in there. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm posting consistently about entrepreneurship. My amazing guests like Jessica here and love starting conversations about career transition, entrepreneurship. Please come find me and connect and let's continue to grow and learn and empower each other. Um, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Nimrod1979. Again, with the Nimrod. I was a big Green Day fan, I, and I still am, actually. But I've kept the Nimrod thing going. And even though I have a podcast, I just can't let go of Nimrod. So Nimrod1979, Nimrod79. You can find me on social media. Always come find me and connect. I'm always up for connecting and a good conversation about entrepreneurship, career transition, uh, Mexican food, you name it. So <laughs> that is all the time we have on Mark My Words. So again, thank you, Jessica Malone of Nacho Average Pro. I am Mark Schmidt. This was Mark My Words, and I will be back with a new episode real soon. Bye for now. Bye.